just against the post And still this is he sees the ghost He thrust his fist against the Put your eye to the eye of a telescope. The universe looks back through a microscope. Welcome to the SCBA Dimneka. We are here to discuss the Bare Naked Lady songs one at a time. As we go through alphabetically, and this week we're just like off the wall and going everywhere. We're having a grand old time because we are crazy about this song. As we discuss Crazy from the Gordon album in 1992. And with me tonight, I have... Crazy Aaron. Crazy! (laughs) Cuckoo Michelle. (laughs) Now, Crazy is not just from Gordon. It's where it is, of course, most famously known from. It's also an Aerosmith song. (laughs) (laughs) Crazy! Crazy! Baby! I go crazy! And Patsy Cline song. Crazy. I'm crazy for feeling so lonely. Now wait, when was when did Aerosmith That's do crazy? That's got to be early 90s or very late 80s, right? Like cuz I remember when oh. I was, that was definitely when I was a kid. I want to say that's early 90s. Like, I was in high school, I think, so maybe... Aerosmith was first. I mean, I'm sure another band has had a song called Crazy before Aerosmith as well. I'm sure. Patsy Cline. (laughs) There we go, yes, already. (laughs) Yeah, what am I talking about, obviously? But I want to say Bare Naked Ladies did it before Aerosmith. I don't know, my I just want to say it. Okay. Well, we are being (laughs) crazy. I didn't say it's true. We're being crazy today, so it's... Crazy! Aerosmith released it in 93. Yep. Oh, so after BNL. BNL was doing so, this back in the 80s? So they're BNL but, wannabes. Oh, 80. What, what year? Did, I 93. Said 93. <laughs> so Bare Naked Ladies released Crazy in 92. Ooh, so they were. First. Win. <laughs> Point. Bare Naked Ladies. <laughs> BNL for the win. 
But did they have a video with Alicia Silverstone? Because that would have been very mm. important to me as a high schooler. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they didn't. <laughs> uh, originally, this was on Bare Naked Recess as its first appearance. Um, it was also on Variety Recordings, mm. which was a release just to radio stations. Um, and then, of course, on Gordon. Um, all songs that were on Bare Naked Reassess were recorded brand new and then never released otherwise. This song is written by Ed Robertson and Tim Wilson. Now, if you've never heard of Tim Wilson before, you are not alone because I myself have never heard of Tim Wilson before. I looked him up and all I could find was that he was the guy who did the bagpipes at the end of the song. Of course, all the guys are playing their usual instruments in the song, but we do have Michael Philip Voyevoda at the end doing secret noises. <laughs> and we have Markin Tiley, Tiley, I want to say, uh, doing the guitar solo at the end. Okay. There is also a version of this <laughs> online doing the bathroom sessions in which it's just Ed playing it by himself. It's, it's stripped down. It's just him and the guitar, so it's very different. So here's the thing. One of the first things I want to ask you guys, mm-hmm. this is this is a controversial song because we have, this is the so- final song. Mm-hmm. Second week in a row, we're doing a final song off an album. This is the final song off from Gordon, sort of. Sort of. Not the strongest song on the album. Well, they've got the all the bonus material hidden stuff. They have the bonus material hidden at the end, which is called That Fodder, but it's not, it's a yeah. hidden track, so it's not labeled. And it... The weird thing about this song, so you have this song at the beginning, very upbeat, very um, happy, a lot of banjo kind of stuff, like just very... Very bluegrass inspired, definitely. Thank you, yes, bluegrass inspired. And then it makes a transition at about the three minute mark. becomes it becomes like revolution number nine from the Beatles. A little bit slow. Or or help me Aaron with with uh, Pink Floyd, like just this Piper at the Gates of Dawn, Interstellar Overdrive. It's really- <laughs> Very early Pink Floyd. Very, there's a lot of Fish influence, I think, in this one as well. Very jam it's just, bandy. It's so. What happened was that we have we they were recording this up in Lace Studio up in Quebec, and Jim would ski across the lake every day to work to to record the albums. <laughs> and then course. one day, Tyler and Ed were out skiing. Um, when they got back, Stephen and Andy were in the studio just adding all kinds of like really weird, crazy noises <laughs> at the end of the song. I don't know why it stayed that way, but it did. My guess is it's it, it's a wonderful that I got that story from Public Stunts and Private Stories by Paul Myers. Mm. Um, by the way, if you want to hear a wonderful Paul Myers interview, you can go over to the other podcast as well that where they interviewed 
Paul Myers this week over at It's All Been Done. It's a wonderful interview. I do recommend listening to it. So you have all this really weird kind of, it's not outro, it's all these weird quotes that they're throwing in there. Um, and we'll cu- we'll come to the quotes in a little bit when we talk about the lyrics um, and all these like you have the bagpipes, the music changes. I all I can think is that really like Stephen loves the Beatles. I think oh, yeah. this must be a a throwout to John Lennon. This song definitely feels like them in their early days playing their early influences because they've said in several interviews early on that Ricky Skaggs was a huge influence and this mm-hmm. song totally reminds me of love their version of lovers in a dangerous time it's got that blue grassy feel that. to it like this is yeah. their early this is their early sound you know and then it flips mm-hmm. into the whole beatles s thing and that's one of their influences and that's their early sound you know what i mean it's just like <laughs> this is their early sound definitely yeah. Why don't we talk a little bit about the music? We'll flip over to the music here real right. quick and come back to the lyrics afterwards because that's going to be the longer, I think, <laughs> exploration. Are you ready for a crazy <laughs> breakdown? Crazy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, that sounded like Krusty the Clown there for a second. Should I play this backwards? <laughs> Let's break it down. All right, so Crazy is recorded right around 130 beats per minute. It does rush and drag ever so slightly. Uh, Just like last week's song, Crawl, Crazy is in the key of A major, interestingly enough. Uh, However, the structure is vastly different. We have uh, the intro, which is A, and then the the first verse. Uh, The verse sits comfortably in the one, in the tonic. It's interesting because it's basically like in the tonic for the entirety of the verse. And, you know, the bass moves around a little bit. You can make an argument that maybe it's shifting, but it pretty much sits in the, in the one. Then for the chorus, it goes up to, uh, that's for, like, when they say crazy, it goes up to the the fifth. So it goes one, five, one, five, one, five, one. So it's very Beethoven-like, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, and you can make that argument. So uh, we go intro, verse, chorus, verse two, chorus, bridge, which is still one to four. It's just going to, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, it's one to four now instead of one to five. So the bridge goes one, four, one, four, then back to the one for the next verse. Uh, and then we go to the chorus. The verse is one. The chorus, once again, is five. Uh, so it's like one five one five one five one four one four one five one five, uh, and then we go into this extended outro jam section, uh, which sits in one a lot. Occasionally moves up to four, but it's like pretty much sitting in one again. Um, this whole song is very free form. It's got a very abstract kind of jazz influenced kind of like uh, art rock or not art rock necessarily, but like yeah, abstract uh, kind of acid rock or whatever. Like again, we mentioned early Pink Floyd. Like Sid Barrett led Pink Floyd. Um, I really like the ending of the jam section where it turned right before we go into like the 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 other stuff, the hidden track stuff. The very ending of the jam section of the song proper, where it almost goes into like Muzak. Like it sounds like it's coming from like <laughs> the doctor's waiting room. The doctor will see you now, or maybe in an asylum. Right? It very much reminded me actually of Weird Al, where he covered, we uh, not covered, but parodied. Uh, Hold, is it hold me, kiss me, yes. throw, kill me, throw me, or whatever? Throw drill me. me. Yeah, it was like it was like <laughs> was <laughs> the it, numb, numb me, office. drill me, floss me, bill me. It was about the dentist. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he actually did that. He did that at the end where he turned it into sound like it was like playing over the intercom, like a music version, which I always thought was a really cool effect. 
and they did that here, which uh, was really cool. Um, I like that a lot. I like you know, the hidden track of the, the hidden section uh, at the end of the track. It's very reminiscent. The whole thing kind of reminded me of Fish a little bit, which I hate to say, I'm not a big fan of Fish. Um, and, and it always kind of, yeah, I know, I know. Judge me, judge me, Michelle. Uh, but it's so funny because I, Pink Floyd, <laughs> is one of my favorite bands ever. So I went to a, a music school where we're all a bunch of hippies. So mm-hmm. I would see people say, who's your favorite band? And like, I would have like, depending on what day you asked me, it could have been Radiohead, it could have been Faith No More, it could have been Pink Floyd. So if I would answer Pink Floyd, they'd be like, oh, so you must love Fish. And I'd be like, not really. Like, Pink, Pink Floyd, early Pink Floyd and Fish, I see the connection. Once Roger Waters took over, no, it's depressing art rock. And that's where I'm at. That's my wheelhouse is the depressing art rock. So I love latter-day Pink Floyd, uh, you know, <laughs> animals, uh, Wizard, of, Wizard of Oz. Wow. <laughs> what an extraordinary thing to say. Dark Side of the Moon, animals, wish you were here. Uh, the wall, you know, and then it kind of became a uh, um, Roger Waters solo project <laughs> with the final cut. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I love that kind of middle era Pink Floyd. But anyways, we're, we're rambling here or I'm rambling, but I apologize for that. But yeah, Fish, I can respect their musicianship. It's their it's their vocals that they're, they're they can't quite match pitch and they are little out of tune it just kind of drives me insane so this would fish, be not not this right song. fish so I, I, was I saying, feel <laughs> that way about rod stewart he's yeah, never he's qu- he's never quite an interesting dude on the note <laughs> and it makes me a little bit crazy <laughs> yeah you know, it makes you a little bit crazy yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I feel like um, we all go a little <laughs> mad sometimes. So, yeah, it reminds me of Fish, but except they can sing. They can match pitch. <laughs> so, like, um, I know this is on Gordon, so I'm very curious to hear both of your thoughts, knowing how much you love their older material. Um, the vocal harmonies have this bluegrass influence. Again, it kind of reminds me of Fish. It's got that. It's not just that sing-talk melody and the multiple intertwining vocal lines and the bluegrass-inspired harmonies that remind me of Fish. It kind of, like... At the end, it devolves into this jam section. Uh, and, like, I don't know. Here's the problem with jam bands. Here's my problem with jam bands, I should say. I am sure that to hear and see them perform this tune live was much more interesting than hearing the jam section at the end of the song. Uh, there's an <laughs> energy to a live performance. I am a jazz musician. I love improvisation. I love the energy and, and just, like, being out there and not knowing what you're going to play until you play it. There's something very thrilling about that. And knowing that someone is improvising and watching them is extremely impressive and very cool. Uh, but unless there's a really, really great solo that you nailed and it's perfect, then hearing the, a live recording or like a recording of a jam is just never going to have that same energy to it. So I, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Um, clearly, they're having a bit of fun. Totally 100% confirmed when the bagpipes come in. That's like when they're like, <laughs> as the British say, they're clearly taking the piss. Uh, and then we get these voice samples, very much like uh, Revolution Number no. Nine or whatever, uh, you know, very much uh, Latter Day Beatles. Um, yeah, definitely some Latter Day Beatles and some early Pink Floyd thrown in for good measure. Um, overall, it's a fun tune, but not one I see myself coming back to again and again. Comparing it to like Crawl from last week, I think there's a vitality to this song that doesn't exist in Crawl, an energy. Uh, probably from the guys being younger and hungrier and feeling like they have something to prove. Maybe I'm just projecting, but. Uh, even though I felt like Crawl was more slickly produced and has some things I liked in it, I found myself enjoying this tune just a little more. I agree, for sure. 
I like this song. It's not my favorite of theirs, but it's definitely... This is back in the day when they were fun to watch live. And I loved that mm-hmm. one of the links that you shared was a live performance of them um, mm. doing a couple yeah, well, of there songs. You go. That was great. And it was so fun because I loved Stephen when he had his longer hair and his big handlebar <laughs> mustache and the vest. <laughs> like, that's such... That's such a specific look from that time period. And so, you know, I just listened to the song first and gave it a certain rating. But then I watched that video. I'm like, oh, my God, I have to raise that just because of the video. It's hilarious. Um, oh, Tyler's having so much fun. Like, he's he leaves the back. He goes away from the drums. He comes up and he starts harassing Ed and being crazy in front of everyone. It's just great. It's just great. And I feel like this song like they gave them themselves permission to have fun and you know i've heard like i said earlier i've heard ed say you know like their whole bluegrass sound like that's how they kind of rehearse and that's how they kind of would just kind of jam together so i feel like in to aaron's point i think this is kind of a jam song and they jammed their way with the bluegrass at first and then it kind of goes into the whole beatles-esque chaos and then they're like let's just like, I picture Steven being kind of the mastermind behind this. You know, like, he's the man behind the curtain on this song <laughs> and doing all the weird noises and all the weird stuff at the end. Like, he's just like, I feel like he's the mad scientist behind this song. Alive! It's alive! It's alive! And it's so much fun. And I just, I love him from that era. And I know it's a group effort. It was also really fun to see Andy in that video. You know, like, it was just, like, such a specific snapshot from such a specific time in their history when they had so much energy and it was so much, like, full on. They were full on. And I just, I loved it. So part of this song for me, I think my enjoyment of it was the nostalgia piece. But I do think that, you know, their earlier stuff for me is more compelling than their newer stuff, like newer meaning present day versus their first stuff that they first came out with. But I just feel like there's better energy and I'd like the five of them together. So, but that's me. What I love most about I lo- them just having fun on all these instruments yes. and just, yeah. they are full out, full energy on this song. You know, it starts off slow, kind of goes up and down throughout the song. When they are going, like Jim is just flying on that bass. Ed's hands are moving so fast you can't see him. Like there is nothing on this song musically up until that changeover that I don't like. Like, I, this is one of those those songs musically I just love. And the part I love the most on this song are those harmonies. The yes. staggered harmonies with yes. crazy. Like, that is just beautiful and, and well done. They just practiced that over and over again and just had it down. Uh, I'm not sure who took the third, the third harmony on that, but to, you have Ed then Steve, and then I'm not sure who the third one was on that. So then you have like the 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 focus of this song, which is the lyrics, and it's just full of metaphors about people who are going crazy. And if you looked at it as just that, it's just a fun song. But what he's really saying is that we're all a little bit crazy. That this he's trying to say that you know unless you've gotten like something extremely severe. Like, don't judge. Like, the, everyone's a little bit crazy. We shouldn't judge each other on this. And I I love that that's where he's going with this, especially since he's talking about all these different 
different types of crazy and how we all are crazy right next to someone who has a mental illness. Like he's sitting there and I I feel like this is his song to Steven saying, Hey buddy, like I accept you for who you are, all of it. And you know, I'm, I'm just like you. I have my own things, but I, I might not have what you have, but I have my own things and no judgment. I think it's hilarious that the whole song, like starting with the second verse, I guess, it's all one cliche after another. Oh, yeah. You know, like, I don't, um, what is it? Um, the lights are on, but nobody's home. My elevator doesn't go to the top. Yeah. I'm not playing with a full oh, deck. I love that part. Like, it's just the <laughs> listing of every kind of phrase you could use to call somebody crazy. The elevator doesn't go to the full to the top. I'm not playing with a full deck. I've lost my marbles. Interesting. I'm a short of a load. Like it's and it so builds. interesting. Yeah, it keeps going and going. Interesting to me is I mentioned Pink Floyd and uh, in the trial at the end of the wall, if you recall, there's a song in the called the trial and uh, the refrain, the chorus is crazy. And there's always something different. Crazy, toys in the attic, over the rainbow, whatever. I are you crazy? <laughs> Uh, so maybe a reference i don't know because i think they're probably into pink floyd as well oh i could definitely see that Uh, one of my favorite lines of this is i don't need a rubber room but that might be nice because i myself (laughs) have to admit that i've had that thought before yeah just kind of bang (laughs) you know what I love, I'm a few bricks short of a load, but a full load always hurt my back. Like, <laughs> well, that's a, there is a little bit of liberation in just embracing yes. it and being like, whatever. Yes. You know, I'm just going to go nuts. <laughs> There's a bit of freedom in that. Yeah. Totally. Now, interestingly enough, I didn't know this from before, but I was, I was reading up about the White Album recently. And so we have this song that's at the end of Gordon. Mm-hmm. Revolution Number no. 9 was actually meant to be at the end of the White Album. Mm. And so I'm sure that Steve knew that. Like, Steve is a big Beatles aficionado. Well, it does not lead any doubt in my mind that he would have done that. It reminds me the Beatles used to put in the the return groove, in the trap groove, at the end of the record that traps the needle and just spins on for infinity, they would put a little, like, nine-second loop or whatever so that the record would never stop playing. You could just let it play, and it would theoretically just never stop playing, so... Uh, that I, that is one of the things where I, I think the Beatles, uh, again, like it, it just blows my mind if I hear someone say they don't like the Beatles. I'm like, have you heard all of their material? Because I'm sure there's something right. in there. But like, just even if you don't like them, which I can't fathom someone not liking them, but like, um, how far they advanced, you know, music recording and just mm, bringing the techniques yes. into it and changing the medium completely. Um, they really advanced things so much. So I, I'm always like. I love talking about the Beatles. I, I could talk about the Beatles all day. <laughs> so, end of this, mm. let's go over the lyrics of the end. So we have the changeover. So then we have, we're rolling, man. <laughs> and they start singing, found my locker. It's almost like it's an outtake. Um, and then they say, that's the take. We're going, <laughs> like, <laughs> we're going with that take. Um, there's some kind of garbly gook, and then it says... Soup that's made with a monkey, <laughs> or soup that's made with monkey, yeah. and then just cheese, you know. Then they just start scatting, <laughs> and then they start jumping into uh, a rendition of 
or an outtake of if I had, had a million, million dollars, dollars yeah. if I phoned my friend in Ireland, I... I'd have my own talk show and I'd talk to myself, <laughs> <laughs> which is still one of yeah. my favorite lines on this album. Um, and if I filmed my sister walking, I'd yell stuff like, like get hey, get off the, the road, phone. Yeah. <laughs> I really, I really enjoyed that. I have to say, there is stuff from my sessions from my band where we would just leave the leave everything recording, and that's some of the most precious stuff to me is like listening to those little <laughs> outtakes between songs and stuff because it brings you right back to that moment in time. I always I always love hearing little snippets like that behind the scenes. So then going backwards actually because that's the very end. Yeah. That's 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 that fodder. Going back to the so you have this chaos mm-hmm. that's like revolution number nine so i tried to pick out any of the lines that i could actually hear out of all like some of them were very very low and i couldn't i don't yeah. have the audio equipment to like boost it and find it and pull Enhance. it apart but i want to see if we can I, I looked for quotes i looked to try to see if i could find any maybe you guys found stuff i didn't so one of the lines was bring that helicopter bring the helicopter back down will ya which it sounded like it was from like a TV show or from like a, a a movie of some sort but I couldn't find any clips anywhere from any TV shows or movies uh or quotes Then we have someone saying he was a long uh, he was a quiet long-legged skinny man with a dignified beard and mustache I have no idea where that came from. Is that, um, that's not Ichabod Crane, is it? Um, Ooh. Uh, that could that? be. The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. I don't know that it, that is, but that, for some reason that's. I mean, that sounds kind of like him. I don't, I'm not sure if he had a beard, but could be, could be. I'm trying to open it up. Gangly, small head, huge ears. I'm not getting it. Doesn't mean it's not true, but it's possible. Because <laughs> sometimes, like what we have, what we remember is what we see in the Disney films, yeah. and they change it to what they want it to be. Right? Yeah, that's very true. But I'm gonna have to look further into that, and if I see it, I'm gonna have to. Um, I'll post it on the the Facebook page and and Twitter. Um, that hey, we found it. Uh, but that's a great pull. I like that one. The next line that I have is, is there a yeah, house for me? That might, be, that might be it. Is there a house for me? That's not from The Prisoner, is it? A house for me. From, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh. First gets yeah, there. The, the BBC show back in the day. Who was number one? Number you two. were number six. Right. Exactly. Who was number one? <laughs> All right, I'm gonna have to look that one up now. <laughs> Man, that's been a long time since I've thought about the prisoner. <laughs> oh my god, that would be awesome! They should remake that if they can remake Doctor Who. Why BBC not BBC America? If you're listening, <laughs> we know you're a fan. <laughs> we know you listen. <laughs> yeah. Come on the show, Steve. Steve Merchant and uh, Ricky Gervais, please come on the show. <laughs> <laughs> all right so the last one that i have that i could find is interesting because i think it combines both our show and it's all been done the Ooh. podcast the last quote is mm-hmm. lentil was proud of his new harmonica and he decided okay. to become an expert which is from the book lentil which is the first book written by robert mccloskey oh, now people what we got someone who one I, morning in and, Maine, um, and blueberries, blueberries with Sal. Sal, and make way for ducklings. 
Yep. My my mom. A shout out to my mom right now because she used to read me um, blueberries for sale and one morning in Maine, and I loved those books. Lentil is is lentil the duck? Is lentil the? No, lentil's a little boy who little boy. who wants to. Uh, I can't remember all of it. I remember he that he can't meet the, the what he's longing for, what he wants for a goal. Oh. Um, and so he buys this harmonica instead, and he really delves into d- the nice. harmonica and, and puts all of his soul kind of into playing the harmonica and, and impresses this really big person who's going through oh, town. Nice. So When you said lentil, I was somehow thinking lentil. <laughs> I knew that was going through Papa her head. Was like, wait, no, a lentil is like a bean, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I unfortunately have not encountered the writings of Robert McCluskey. Oh, but I'm very Aaron, intrigued. you have to time very travel intrigued. back to your childhood. <laughs> I'll try to do the same and go back as your babysitter, and I will. So he's from Maine. Uh, he's from this area. So he? he's originally the reason I say it combines the podcast. He is originally from Ohio. <laughs> Okay, but which is where they do it's all been done podcast. Mm. But he died in Deer Isle, Maine, and wrote many yes. of his books in Deer yes. Isle, Maine. So, well, that's uh, common ground. I think I think B and L was telling us from the past that they are okay with us us doing these podcasts and to get along. I think so. <laughs> so. Um, I, what I really think is they're trying to say with all this is I think that this was them in many ways trying to this was their first album this was them trying to say this is who we are this is who we who has influenced us like you get all these different things you get sticks you get you get Charlie Brown you get like all these different influences in this first album and they're ending this album and they're trying to give it their their coda like here is what we are and i think that what Steven and and Andy were doing with this was they were taking captions of their childhood and things that really affected them, and that's what these lines are. Now, I don't know where these quotes are coming from yet, but that's I think that's what they're trying to do here. Mm, interesting. So. Jim and Andy, we'd love to have you on the show. <laughs> Please, by all means. <laughs> Any other thoughts on this? This wonder, I think it's a wonderful song. I or two songs. We're going we're going to count Dat Fodder into this week because it's not officially written down anywhere as a I think it's more just outtakes than actual song. So, mm. we're we're going to count Dat Fodder into this week. So, are there any more thoughts on these two songs before we we move on to ratings? Um, I don't I'm think I'm, so. I'm good. All right. So, let's do some ratings. All right, so we're gonna give we're gonna go by how many handlebar mustaches are we gonna give this song? <laughs> I just like when I saw that, listeners, please watch the video. I'm sure Tracy is gonna include that in our show notes, and you've got to watch it because Stephen's whole vibe is just spot on. Like that's so all of them. Even I think Aunt, um, Tyler's got his dreads. Um, on the drum, like it's just so good. So watch it, um, but you'll see why we're using handlebar mustaches for the ratings. Um, I gave the song three point two five handlebar mustaches or mustaches. It depends Mustache. on how you want to say it. Yeah. Um, I thought it was great. It was it was fun. It was a fun crazy song. Um, Aaron, how about you? 
I gotta be the guy who drinks the haterade this this episode. I don't hate the song, but I definitely am not as enthusiastic about it. I think probably, like I said, if I were in, uh, if you had a million dollars, well, if I had a million dollars, <laughs> and I could go back in time, build a time machine, and see them perform this live, yeah, I think in the crowd watching them perform it live, it's a different experience, and I think then it would probably be well over three handlebar mustaches. But I think I'm gonna have to be the crazy one and say you know for me the recording if we're judging the recording on the album as its own entity i have to give it a 2.9 rubber rooms <laughs> out of fair. five that's fair i like it it's not a bad song by any means and you know it's the kind of thing i could probably see myself every once in a while I might get stuck in my head and i want to go hear it so definitely well above average okay tracy all right how many handlebar so- mustaches or rubber rooms <laughs> do you give this song here's my struggle i Uh i love the first part of this song Mm. i however like last week's song when i hit the changeover like it was really cool the first time i listened to it i wanted to listen to Mm. it all the way to the end however from then on out whenever (laughs) i hit that changeover i hit next song It's a yeah, that's, what no, that's what I'm saying, Tracy, because the thing is, if you watch them at 10 different shows play this song, that section is going to be different every time yes. that they're improvising yes. and playing. So that would make it that much cooler. But yes. I think that's the problem I was having. I was like, ah, now it kind of feels like it's petering out, yep. running out of steam at the end because it's the, the same thing. So I don't know. Maybe that, that's the problem with recordings of jam songs. And I have to like, so you, you have the jam that's at the end of Brian Wilson, which is just phenomenal. Like they yeah. are just like, it's a little blowing different. that yeah. out. This is more like a non-practice jam after that. Um, and I have, it's one song. It is written down in Wikipedia everywhere that you look at it. It's written down. It is one song. So I have to judge it on that one that one piece altogether, not counting Dat Fodder in, I'm not going to rate it with Dat Fodder. Um, it would be, if just that first part by itself, it would be a four. Mm. Adding the other part in there brings it down to a 3.5. Yep, that's fair. Sorry, that's Steven. I, I love artistic genius, but I have. I will also admit, I am a deep, deep, deep Beatles fan. I've listened to Revolution 9 partway through once and never turned it on again. It's just not my thing. <laughs> oh, did we lose Aaron? No, I see him. I, I muted myself to oh. be respectful, but I forgot to unmute myself. <laughs> Crazy, I know. Crazy! Um, yeah, I was going to say that there's a difference between being able to appreciate something as art and then being drawn to it and feeling a strong connection to it and really loving it and internalizing it. So for me, I know personally, I'm not a big fan of realistic art. I appreciate the talent that it takes to draw something that looks like a photograph, but I would much rather look at something that's like kind of an abstract expressionist work or an impressionistic (laughs) work or like a surrealist work where it's like maybe showing me a familiar topic or subject, but from an angle I've never seen or through a filter of someone else's uh, uh, reality. So that's just me, but everyone's different. That's the the thing is that we can all appreciate it for for different reasons, for different things. Um, um, Ultimately, you know, we're, we're a little more distributed on this one than, than the last one, for instance. But, like, I think we're still all on the same page. We definitely all appreciate it. 
And uh, yeah, I think it's a I think it's a very solid song. Yeah. Where does so where it, does that one drop us? It drops us with a three point two two score mm. um, that puts it just above Bag of Bones and just below uh, Boomerang. So it's right between those two. So that's a pretty fair assessment. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, I think I think it would be higher for me if we had dropped out that last part. Mm. Like I think the song would would take off significantly. So yeah. So and, it is and what it is. Yeah. So you mentioned the uh, appearance already, Michelle. Actually, we kind of already re- talked about it a little bit. It's going to be I didn't that mean to give a sneak peek, but it's <laughs> so sneak peek. Good. Spoiler alert! <laughs> it's the um, time that they showed up on Intimate and Interactive in 1994. And we talked about it a couple times now with Tyler coming up from behind the drums. Oh my gosh. Uh, it's during it's their handlebar mustache period, so. <laughs> it's, and he's got a vest. Like, he's got a blousey red shirt on and a black vest over it. It's just perfect. It's, yeah. You've got to just love it and embrace it. I want to give a quick shout out. There are lots of new listeners this week. Uh, when I was doing some of the looking up some of the stuff and... We especially have someone who, or or several someones who is loving us in uh, Mississauga, Canada. Uh, it's a suburb of Toronto, so maybe it's the boys, but it's southeast oh, of Toronto. Hi, so we love or you. south, oh, Canada. southwest of Toronto. Sorry, misogyny, Mississauga, um, This is south misogyny, Mississauga, Mississauga. Apologies all around. It, so, but we, they had like 64 songs, or 64 of our episodes that they downloaded last week at one point. So whoever it was or whatever group it was that listened, that was big last week. Um, and also St. Albert, Canada. There was a big, big listener group from last week. So thank you guys very much for joining in. We hey, hope you St. stick Albert. with us. Woo-hoo. Do you have St. Albert in a can? Uh, um, I want to give a Always good quick plug for one of our for one of our wonderful sister podcasts that's out there on the Filling the Void Network. It's called Worst Soccer Mom Ever. Uh, it is written by, or it's it's actually sorry. Let me fix that. It's called Making the Pieces Fit. Um, it's about it's basically these different written pieces that the person is then reading um, that they have written, um, and it's written by I want to say. Blake Riley's wife, or related to Blake Riley, I think it's his wife. Um, so, a uh, friend of the show that that has been on a couple of times now. Um, and one of my favorite pieces that I listened to last week was "Worst Soccer Mom Ever." Um, nice. It was a wonderful episode. Uh, so, please go out there and listen to it. The great thing is, like, these are like six, seven, ten minute, like little pieces. So it's great little things that you can kind of just quickly listen to. And you know what? You know what soccer moms love? They absolutely generalization. <laughs> they absolutely love to listen to kids songs, right? On their radio over oh, and no. over and over again. Cue ominous music. Yeah, like like raining tacos or or like breakfast burritos. Ugh. You know, when I used to drive my kids to the to soccer, um, I used to have to listen to all those wonderful kids songs like "London Bridge Is Falling Down" and "Ring Around the Rosie." Yeah, I have to say, like the old songs are really really dark and sadistic. <laughs> I am so glad that BNL decided to come out with a much better song. Because as 
as a dad that drives his kids to athletics, I know it drives me crazy. And next week, we might, I might drive you guys crazy as we talk about the crazy ABCs off the kids' album. That wasn't that. <laughs> that. That's actually one of my favorites. Oh, maybe I'll just drive Aaron crazy with it. There we go. <laughs> well, we'll give it a shot. Well, thank you guys very much for joining us today, and we will see you next week, and hopefully we didn't drive you crazy. <laughs> see everybody next week. See you next time. Don't go crazy now. Because I'm just crazy. NFL draft season and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football fantasypoints.com features industry leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand charted data to help you score more fantasy points fantasypoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play whether you play fantasy football daily fantasy sports or do a little bit of everything fantasy points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.